Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I want to come around the Word with you today. I've called this message, The Possible versus The Impossible. I want to talk to you for a minute from a couple of scriptures. We'll see how time allows for us to get into this today. But the parable of the wedding banquet, if you know something of that in the scripture, when I read that for me, it's one of those, it's one of those it moments in scripture. It's when the bride and the bridegroom, they come together and they come together around the banqueting table to enjoy the feast that has been prepared. What a picture that should put in the body of Christ as we think about the bride, which is us, and the bridegroom, which is Christ, sitting around a banqueting table. Think of every meal that you've ever had around every dinner table and catch a glimpse about you sitting at this banqueting table. This is not just any table. This is not just any ordinary table. Byron and I have gone to countless weddings. In fact, so many we could never count, but there's been many, but it never fails. It never fails to have the same reaction upon me emotionally every single time. I see the groom waiting at the altar. I see the bride standing at the door. She is dressed. She is ready. And I, every time I see the bride, I get that, you know, that familiar lump in your throat. The eyes begin to well up. Even when we've done weddings of people that we don't really know, the same reaction is there. And my eyes fill up with tears as I see the bridegroom uh, waiting for his bride as she begins to walk and step her way down the altar for a bridegroom, in many cases, who's been waiting a long time. Some of those grooms that have waited a long time, is my bride going to show up? Well, Jesus has been waiting for his bride for a, a long time. And this parable of the wedding banquet in the book of Matthew tells me that this is one table that you don't want to miss. This is one table, this is one wedding that you don't want to cast away your invitation. This is a wedding table, a invitation that you don't want to lose somewhere in the, in the busyness of life and the demands of life. This is an invite to come and sit at the table of all tables. Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 through to 5, it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying that the kingdom of heaven is like like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. Then he sent some more servants and he said, tell those who've been invited that I have prepared dinner. My oxen and the fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet but they paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. This is the invite of all invites. This is the wedding of all weddings. This is the table like no other table that you and I will ever sit around. This invite that says, I've been waiting for you. 
the invite that says, I've been looking for you. And not only have I been looking for you, but I have been preparing this for a long time. The table is set. And the only thing now that makes this table complete is the bride sitting at the table with the bridegroom. I don't know what your dinner tables are like. I don't know what your conversations are like around the table, what what things that you speak about there, but, you know, at this banqueting table that we've just read about, I wonder at this table, will we get to ask questions? What will the dialogue be? What will the conversation be like? I imagined in my mind as I was thinking about this scripture, I, I thought, you know, if I got a chance to ask a question to Jesus as I'm sitting at the table, I would ask a question, something that goes like this. So while we've been dealing with all the stuff on earth, while we've been going through the storms and the problems and the things that belong to earth, as we've been dealing with the unknowns and the uncharted waters, as we've tried to manage our way through life on earth, what have you been doing up here while we've been down there? And I imagined as I was thinking about this scripture, I wonder if Jesus would reply and say something to this effect that every trial and every storm that you've gone through, I have turned to the Father and I've been interceding to the Father on your behalf and I've been praying so that your faith would not fail. I wonder if he would say something to the effect like this, that every storm that you faced... It wouldn't have mattered whether I was there in the flesh or not because whether I was there in the flesh, the same word that I would have spoken in the storm is the same word that I've put in your mouth to speak. And my word is just as powerful in my mouth as it is in your mouth anyway. That's why I left my word with you. That's why I left Holy Spirit with you. That's why I left my authority with you. So it makes no difference whether I was in the flesh or not because my word is just as powerful in you as it is in me because the source is exactly the same. And I would think, I think I knew that, but I've forgotten it a few times. And I want to take a look into some scripture this morning as much as time permits because there were some fascinating things going on between Jesus and the disciples there were some great moments that were taking place. They were asking questions, as all of us do from time to time. And there was this one question that Jesus asked a question. And it, to me, again, it was one of those it moments. And they asked Jesus first up, they said, well, who can be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus' answer to them was brilliant, as you would expect in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus looked at them and he said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I was having a conversation with someone the other day about a, a man who was not saved and I've been making him a few lasagnas and things. And I said, if only the only way to salvation was through lasagna, because I've made a few. But with man, salvation is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
And then he goes on to say that a renewal will take place of all things. Don't ever write anybody off. Don't ever write anybody off because there is no one that's too far from God or too far out of God's reach. Don't ever write anybody off. God is well able to turn things around. With man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, the disciples were on a journey, a big journey, a life-changing journey. Their journey that they were on, put there by God, it's the journey that we find ourselves on. I mean, they were trying to figure things out. They were trying to make sense of it all. One minute, you know, they were trying to process Jesus has just cursed a tree that bore no fruit. And now the tree is withered up and it's gone. Next, they were trying to process that there's a few fish and a little bit of bread and he's blessing the food and somehow it's going out and it's feeding the thousands. Other times it was a, a withered hand that was made whole and the list goes on. These guys were trying to figure out what does all of this mean and every day they must have woken up with them wondering what will today bring with Jesus? Their whole life now was about the possible versus the impossible. And that title alone is an attention grabber to me and it's meant to be because within the heart of every believer, it should stir something within us. It should stir something within us that, you know, we live in one of two places all the time. When we began Highway, as you know, in 1995, it was exciting because it was the coming together of a prophetic word that had been given to us in 1990, the church began five years later. So for five years, we'd carried this word that was given to us by a man we did not know. He was a, a missionary to China and uh, uh, his name was Ezekiel Chung and he came into the church that we were attending, called us out and said, get yourselves ready, you're pioneers, God's about to send you out. So, you know, when God speaks to you, you do expect it to happen within 12 months. Five years later, we're still carrying the word. And so when Highway finally started to happen, we started with a huge amount of enthusiasm and, and readiness. It felt like a long road of preparation before we stepped into this. And, and so we stepped into this, but we needed to be prepared for what we were about to, to walk down. And so we, we stepped into starting the church with a huge amount of um, enthusiasm and hope and expectation and all the dreams that you've got, got for a local church to be established. Our motivation was right because this wasn't us. We didn't just step out and have an idea one day. We weren't operating under ambition or anything like that. God wanted this to take place and we just said yes. But we soon discovered that our vision and our enthusiasm was way, way bigger than our bank balance. And our enthusiasm and our dreams for God was so much bigger than the people that we had at the time. And it was certainly, you know, our dream was so much bigger than the building that we had at the time. Everything God calls you to is beyond you. And you should be grateful about that. Because otherwise, in our humanity, we'd tried to pull it off. We'd try to 
you know, give it our best shot. But when God calls you to a place, you don't want it to be about you. You just want it to be about a responsive heart that said yes to God and let's go together with this. And so we found ourselves on this journey. Left to ourselves, it's impossible. But within our relationship with God, all things are possible. Within our relationship with God, all things are possible. It didn't depend on the lack of money. It didn't depend on the lack of buildings. It didn't depend on the lack of people. God spoke something into existence. We lined up with what he spoke into existence and we decided to do the journey. And so we, we experienced what the Lord was able to bring our way. And we're so glad when somebody f- showed up who could actually sing and someone could play an instrument and someone knew how to work a sound desk and because we didn't have any knowledge to do those things even though you know Brian and I tried to be the worship team at one time it was a disaster and we knew that God was in it because people kept coming So you knew that God had to have his hand on this. But I read you this statement last year, and I want to go back to it. And it's this, the size of your prayer depends on the size of your God. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, when he rose from the dead and he defeated all the work, all the work of the devil, the word impossible was removed from our vocabulary, from our vocabulary, meaning us who say we believe in Jesus Christ. And I don't know what your life journey is like, but I personally have had to be reminded of that a thousand times over, and no doubt we'll have to be reminded of that a thousand times more because we live in two places. We can live on the Job side of the cross, or you can live on the resurrected Christ side of the cross. When he said, it is finished, the work is done. I have left you the finished work of the cross. I refuse to live on the Job side of the cross because it's miserable, but I will live in the resurrected Christ because there's my hope, my future, my destiny, my answers to prayer. It is everything that God has given to us. But there was this question that was asked by Jesus now to his disciples. And he said to them, and this is important for us, he said to them, who do you say that I am? And they answered, honestly, they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah and others think that you could be Jeremiah or others say you're just one of the prophets. They were in absolute bewilderment, absolute trying to figure this out. Who is this man? Who is this guy? And as they were trying to figure all of this out, there is this one moment, this one moment in the scripture that to gain to me is this profound moment that he just gets a hold of one of his disciples and he turns to Simon Peter. And he says to Simon Peter, after Jesus has listened to all these responses about who they thought that he was, and he turns directly face to face with Simon Peter and he says, 
who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And that picture, as I thought about Jesus just looking into your face, looking into Peter's face on this day, and waiting for the response of one of his disciples, who do you say that I am? In other words, Peter, what do you make of all this? And where do you stand in all of this? What do you truly believe? And it's such a loaded question because you know that the answer that Peter is about to give is about to take him somewhere. Let's read Matthew 16, verses 16 through to 19. And this is how Peter answers the question. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is directly face to face with Peter. And I cannot get this moment out of my mind as this question is asked. Because what Jesus was saying was this. The revelation that you've been given could not have been given to you by man. It couldn't have been given to you by the religious segment of society. It couldn't have been given to you out of the mind of man. The revelation that you just answered that question in was not given to you by any other other than God himself. And it's out of this revelation that my church on earth will be built. And it's out of that revelation that my church on earth will be established. And it's out of that revelation that my church on earth, that even when the gates of hell of opposition and accusation and criticism and judgment come against my church, my church will remain standing because the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against the house of God. That's the revelation. See, when you're sick in your body, who do you say that he is? When an attack comes against your physical body and you're not able to function and you're not able to think and you're not able to do what you like to do, the revelation is this, is that he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God that still heals. He is the God that is unchanging. His word is just as real as it always was. That's the revelation of God that comes to you. Who do you say that he is in your time of sickness? When pressure is on you in your home or your finances or in some other place in your personal life, who do you say that he is in that moment? Because I know I can say who he is in the sunshine, in the, in the victories, in the life is just great. It feels good. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm on top of the world. 
I can say who he is then. He's good. He's merciful. He's been kind. He's been gracious. He's such a good God. But who do you say he is in the other times, in the other times? Because that's the time that you need the revelation of God. But not only that, your greatest chance of backsliding is actually in a time of blessing rather in a time of struggle. Because in a time of struggle, our humanity goes looking for an answer. It goes looking to a place of hope. It goes looking to a place where your God can help you. And then we get the victory and we relax and we settle and we calm down and we're not as passionate about God as we were and we become just complacent. Who do you say that he is then? When the trials of life come, is your revelation that he is your rock, he is your safe place, he is your dwelling place because it's in every stage of life we need that revelation of who he is. And when Jesus asked this question, It highlighted that you can live or we will live in one of two places, but who do you say that he is today? And I want to pray for you this morning as we close this service. I want to pray that this year, last week, Byron spoke about declaration and there is something about the spoken word. I wonder if this year you can get into a practice and a consistency of speaking out the Word of God. No matter how you're feeling, no matter where life is at, no matter how things look in your world, no matter what it is, I wonder if you can get into a habit this year of declaring the promises of God, the truth of God's Word in every single season of life. Who do you say that He is today? I believe that God is on the move. And he's looking for us to be on the move with him. You see, the door swings both ways when revelation comes. Number one, he reveals who he is. And number two, he reveals who you are. God brought me back to a fresh revelation last year. And we said this many times over last year. But it's amazing how we forget. And he reminded me out of the book of Ephesians just who I was and where I was seated. And if you want to see what my prayer time looks like early in the morning... It looks like this because I'm seated in heavenly places and he's reminded me about what I'm far above and I can pray from that posture, not from a posture of begging and hoping. Who do you say that he is? And that comes out of revelation of knowing who your God is in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Father, I pray right now for every home. I pray right now for every person in the room today. I ask you, Lord, that there would be a, just a fresh insight, a fresh revelation, I pray, of who you are in their lives, no matter what their stories are, no matter what their situation is like. God, most of all, I pray that there'd be a revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord. Bring every heart and soul, I pray, into a fresh relationship that you are their Lord, you are their Saviour, you are their healer. But there is one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. He's not an occasional God. He is always. He's always and forever. He's not a God that, well, I feel like him today and I don't feel like him tomorrow. He's a holy God and he's jealous for his people. 
And Father, I pray, let there be an awakening for salvation, I pray, in every single heart. I ask in Jesus' name. Caleb's going to come, or Dan, Caleb's going to come, I think, and give you an opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ today or in some other area of your life. And I want you to prepare your heart to receive him as Lord and Saviour in Jesus' name.